flood has reset the world with the remnant of humanity on a big wooden boat. Today we'll see them leave the ark and receive a great promise from God. On the Bible Brief. Endless water. Imagine looking out of the ark on day 41. It had been raining for 40 days straight and finally a rest. But still, you couldn't see anything but water. Day 70, endless water. Day 125, endless water. Until finally on about day 150, a wind begins to blow across that endless water. Over the next few weeks and months, it seems like those waters are ever so slightly beginning to subside. And then suddenly, a great thundering thump. If they weren't in a boat, they might have thought it was an earthquake. But no, the boat didn't appear to be floating now at all. It was stationary, as if it were solidly anchored in place. And over the next few months, the small family crew discovered that they had actually come to rest on mountains. And they even looked out the ark's windows to discover the tops of other mountains in the distance too. The flood was finally coming to an end. About two more months on the ark, and the family is finally able to set foot on the dry land again. They had been on the boat for over a year. A whole year since they'd been able to simply walk on solid ground. What would you do in that situation? Would you run a marathon just because you could? Would you just relish the opportunity for some alone time away from your shipmates and the animals? Well, let's talk about what Noah did. Noah began to build something. Using perhaps dirt or stones, he began to make a small mound. And then from the animals, he took some of the best of them and burned them on the altar that he had built. He did, in a way, the same thing that Abel had done. He offered something to God out of a heart of faith and worship. As if Noah were saying, I know my family and I should have been swept away like the rest of humanity, but I'm admitting that we're not perfect, and I'm offering a substitute death in the place of our own. Just like you did for Adam and Eve in the garden, God, when you slayed that animal to cover them with skin, please accept this offering as a substitute and a covering for us too. Instead of immediately thinking of selfish interests and what he would do outside of the ark, the first thing that Noah did was honor God. And God responds to this righteous act with some very important statements. Let's read what happens when God receives the burnt offering from Noah. This is from Genesis chapter 8, starting in verse 21. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Here we get an interesting view into the thoughts of God. God says to himself that this flood judgment was a one-time thing. He will never do this flood type of judgment again. Instead, he will allow the normal pattern of days and nights, seasons and harvest times to continue while the earth remains. Then we read this, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said to them, Be fruitful, 
and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. Now there are a few important things that we need to note about what God says to Noah and his sons here. First, God essentially repeats the creation mandate that he had given to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But the extras with this repeated mandate are a little different. Formerly, they were to rule over the animals, but now their rule would be marked by the animals' fear of the humans. Something about the relationship between humans and animals had fundamentally changed after the flood. Perhaps it had to do with the other extra, that God was now allowing mankind to eat animals. Formerly, they'd only eaten plant life, but now animals were fair game too. The second important note is this. God is making a clear rule regarding the value of human life. He says that, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For, and here's the reason, God made man in his own image. In other words, capital punishment is now a rule for dealing with the murder of a human. If you spill the lifeblood of a human, you forfeit your own life in the process. Further, even if an animal kills a man, that animal forfeits its own life as well. God is expressing something that our modern society would do well to regard. Every human life matters because every human is made in the image of God. Finally, the third important note is connected with the second. The third note is this. Blood is the signifier of physical life. Now, we might have learned this back when Cain killed Abel, when God said that Abel's blood was crying out to him from the ground. As far as the Bible's concerned, in the blood is the life. Whether for an animal or a human, the blood is the life. Now, this ends up being related to the death penalty itself as we move forward. If life is in the blood, then death means the spilling of blood. Further, as we look forward in the Bible, even here in this very passage with Noah's sacrificial offering of animals to God, we see that the substitutes for humans must die to satisfy the death penalty that people deserve. Remember that death penalty is deserved because of sin against God. This system of substitutes is going to be significantly developed as we move on from here. So just keep this in mind. The life is in the blood. So in this communication so far by God, he's reiterated the creation mandate for humans to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He's implemented capital punishment for the crime of murder, and he's explicitly defined the connection between blood and life. With all that, let's move on to the next part of what God says to Noah and his sons. And this is a monumental moment because we're going to see God make some promises in a particular context, a context 
called a covenant. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your seed after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So God, by establishing a covenant with Noah, his sons, and with all the animals that were in the ark, he ensures that he will never destroy the earth by a giant flood again. And we need to focus on two things here, the concept of a covenant and future judgment. First, let's talk about the concept of a covenant. And listener, this is very important to the Bible. Arguably, the whole overarching structure of the Bible story is centered like a bullseye on the covenants that God makes, and especially on the promises in those covenants. Promises that ultimately relate to the seed of the woman that the Bible anticipates from the very beginning. A biblical covenant could be defined as this, a formal bond between parties establishing a relationship where one or both parties are bound to certain activities associated with the bond. Now I'm going to say that again. It's a formal bond between parties, establishing a relationship where one or both of those parties are bound to certain activities associated with the bond. The major biblical covenants almost all involve God promising certain activities without regard to the other party. And these covenants would be considered irrevocable covenants. They can't be revoked because God doesn't go back on his promises. In irrevocable covenants, we essentially see God making promises and then underlining them, italicizing them, and bolding them before putting them in all caps. God is saying this, these promises are as sure as it gets. Nothing will get in the way of them. So here in these covenant promises to Noah, we see God saying that he will never again flood the earth in judgment. And by establishing a covenant, this formal bond, God is essentially saying, pay attention, a worldwide flood will never happen again. And this leads us to the second point. God's specificity in the covenant is critical to notice. Here, he's not promising never to complete a worldwide judgment or destruction again. No, he's simply specifying that any future worldwide judgment will not be using a flood. When God does it, it will be by other means. And as we move forward from here in the Bible, we'll begin to discover that the next time, it won't be with water. It will be with fire. But that is for another episode. Let's keep reading. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Here we see an example of another theme we'll continue to see in the Bible as we move on. God is providing a sign to Noah, his sons, and the animals, a physical representation of the covenant promise that he's given. He gives them a sign of the rainbow, a reminder to God and man that God will not flood the earth again in judgment, a sign that points to God's promise. 
Now we've been through a lot so far in the Bible story, and we've focused intently on the beginning of the story because there are so many conceptual items that we simply must understand before we move forward at a faster pace. If we build a building without a solid foundation, that building will come toppling down. So that's what we're doing right now is building. We're ensuring that we have a great foundation. But listener, you may be asking yourself, so what does this all have to do with Jesus so far? Why should I care about all of this? Well, you don't want to miss our next episode. In the next episode, we're going to be briefly taking a break from the narrative to see how the story so far relates to Jesus. We're going to help you see how the whole Bible points to the fulfillment of God's promises, especially to the promise of Jesus. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible.